The data is the closest we can have to an original information source. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. My name is Enrico Bertini, and I'm a professor at NYU in New York City, where I do research in data visualization. And my name is Moritz Stefana, and I'm an independent designer of data visualizations. And together, we talk about data visualization, analysis, and generally the role data plays in our lives. And uh, our podcasts that we do together is listener-supported, so there are no ads for mattresses or <laughs> tools for building websites <laughs> or something like this. So if you do like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you can find our page on patreon.com slash datastories. Yes, and today we have another special guest. We are very happy to have a person finally able to talk about cognitive biases and um, their relationship with visualization and data analysis in general. And we have Evantia Dimara. Hi, Evantia. How are you? Hi, Enrico and Moritz. Thank you very much for having me here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, very welcome. And I'm happy to join the Euro voice. Uh, I will be the Greek accent. <laughs> yeah, here is another one. Yeah, very exotic as well. <laughs> so, Evantia, can you briefly introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background, current position, your interests, and so on. So, I, I just finished my PhD in visualization and decision making. And I started working in, in Paris as a postdoc in the HAI team of the Institute of Intelligence Systems and Robotics of Sorbonne. I came to Paris to do human-computer interaction. And, uh, and actually, uh, I would say that the, the way I see HAI is, is like problem solving. So for me, that was the deal to find what is the problem that people have and they cannot do so far. So the, the way I see visualizations is that the data is the closest we can have to an original information source. Let's say the open data that we have about unemployment, about many, many, many different things. But as you, you know better than I, and I do, these numbers are difficult to handle. We have statistics. Statistics don't tell us everything. So we need to know more things. And this is how visualizations come along in these projects. I, I wanted to see how... By visualizing all this information, we have more chances to make good, informed decisions that are based on, on reliable uh, data. So for me, having reliable data that we understand, so who prevents us from making good decisions? Most of the times I would say it's actually ourselves and the limitations of human judgment, which lead us, I guess, to the topic of today, the, the cognitive biases. Yeah, I just wanted to say this This sounds great, but <laughs> it's a little problem there. And it's exactly this translation of, um, well, first of all, is data really objective? That's, uh, that's a good question that's to ask. Question. That we discussed many times already on the show. Like, how much <laughs> is data really representing objective truth? Usually okay. not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the second closest, part is. Closest, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the second part is, of course, even if we have really good data, let's say, like high mm. quality data, 
the question is, does do people still do the right thing with it <laughs> when they see it? <laughs> yeah, and maybe this brings us to the topic of, of exactly. cognitive biases, <laughs> among other things. So, what are cognitive biases, and and what can we do with them? <laughs> so, okay, so to to explain what is a cognitive bias, I, I will start with an example. So let's get, take again the voting thing, right? We want to vote. We have presidential elections, okay? So we have two candidates. We have Alice and Bob. Alice, let's say she has a very promising healthcare plan for the country. And we give it that 10 out of 10 score, a very good healthcare plan. But her policy for crime control is not well thought and organized. So let's give it a five, okay? Bob. On the other hand, has a very strong policy against crime. We give it 10 out of 10. But when it comes to healthcare, his plan is rather weak. So we give it a 5. So if you assume now that health and safety are both important to you, this is not a, a, an, easy, an easy answer, right? We, we have a trade-off. There is no optimal answer. So if I want now to manipulate your votes and make you vote Bob over Alice. This is what I'm gonna do. I will do a marketing trick. I will add a third candidate in the race. Let's call it Decoy. So the Decoy candidate is very similar to Bob. He also gives, let's say, more emphasis to safety than health, but he's slightly worse than Bob. So let's give him eight out of 10 for the, for the safety and five in health. Now, for some reason, the addition of the decoy option, the probability for you to vote for Bob instead of Alice, will mysteriously increase because of this decoy option. And this is an example of a cognitive bias that is called the attraction effect or the, the decoy effect. So a cognitive bias is, is practically this, is a deviation of human judgment from a norm. So... The norm in our case is a particular rationality principle that says that your choice between Bobed and Liz should not depend on an irrelevant third option. That in principle you should never want to choose that. Like it's it's an irrelevant item inferior from Bob. But this item can make you choose Bob over a Liz. So this is considered as an irrational to some extent. I mean to some uh, norm, uh, an irrational decision. Mm -hmm. So you could say these are like systematic thinking mistakes we, systematic we keep making thinking, exactly. all the time or like certain traps we, we keep falling into right there are controversial on this what should be considered as norm what is truly rationality what's uh -huh. not but most of the time it has to do with the deviation from a norm the norm can be from decision making can be a memory a social norm can be many many things mm. another example for example is like we have the availability bias uh Again, the same example of voting. If I ask you, what is more likely to happen to you? A terrorist attack or a heart disease? Happy topic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the probability of a terrorist attack, in fact, is, as you may know, is extremely small. Mm. Almost uh, 7 million times more likely to die from a heart disease or cancer rather than a terrorist attack. However, if you're exposed to media that they often support, uh, report incidents of terrorist attacks, and I guess not much report hair diseases because it's, it's not a hot topic, I guess. Uh, this makes you feel that a terrorist attack is more likely to affect your life. 
So in this case, a candidate that is focusing on terrorist counteraction, for example, may be more appealing to you. Isn't there something called like the vividness bias or something yeah, like that? Yeah, exactly. When, when something is more vivid, then mm-hmm. it attracts a lot more. There are many biases that have to do with familiarity, yeah. such as the mere exposure yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah, so the yeah. more you're exposed to something, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's another another case of the bias. Yeah, there are so many. <laughs> yeah, there's this huge list at Wikipedia. We will link to it. List yeah. of cognitive biases. Yeah. It's like thousands. <laughs> it's <laughs> thousands. The, 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 or hundreds, <laughs> say. But as you scan them, you realize, wow, our brains really don't work that well. So we always think like, yeah, we are yeah. fairly rational, like plus minus, <laughs> give or take. But then you realize, wow, there's so many like subtle ways we can be misled like very easily. Yeah. Yeah, the confirmation yeah. bias that you you already uh, search information in the way that confirms what it's you already believe, yeah. it's a huge one. or like the yeah. clustering illusion yeah. that we see patterns and conspiracy theories and connections <laughs> among random events that they don't yeah. exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, if if we want to describe them in general, you can say that people usually fail to apply probability rules, they fail to apply logical rules, they appear overconfident, they rely too much on the first piece of information they see and and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot also has to do with some heuristics. Like we try to, let's say, follow a certain path that is cheap in terms of thinking and Mm -hmm. often it's okay-ish, but sometimes it's also Mm -hmm. totally wrong. (laughs) Exactly. Sometimes it's okay to do that. And sometimes this is a very effective strategy we have. Mm -hmm. So it's not always to blame yeah. for it. But yeah, because yeah. The, engaging with the full information is much, much, it, it it takes much more effort, right? Yeah. So I think that's the thing. Can I mention two more favorites? So yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sure. Two yeah, more yeah. favorites from the list. <laughs> yeah. And it's a great list. You have to read the whole list. Or maybe read a, yeah, a couple yeah. each day. It's enough. Uh, you can make a calendar with it. But a really good one is rhyme as reason effect. Uh, Rhyming statements are perceived as more truthful. (laughs) A famous example being used in the O.J. Simpson trial with the defense's use of the phrase, if the gloves don't fit, then you must acquit. And this actually works. (laughs) You know, you listen to it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That works. That works. It rhymes, right? And so immediately you're sort of biased to believe it. It's, It's crazy. And the other really nice one is IKEA effect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the tendency for people to place a disproportionately high value on objects that they partially assembled themselves, such as furniture yeah. from IKEA, regardless <laughs> of the quality of the end result. <laughs> but that's you why if you like coming back to visualizations, it's it's actually a problem in design. Like if you spend mm. a lot of work. Exactly. Something like you, oh, it was so hard to get all these D three scripts to work, and exactly. and finally it works. And then you say like, "Wow, that was a lot of work." Yeah, it's good work. <laughs> and then you just that's why yeah, you say it's solution. better to have paper <laughs> prototypes. The less effort, the more exactly. The less yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the more you invest into something, the more valuable you perceive it, even if the absolute value is not there. And and all these, yeah. And there's so many of these mind traps and and <laughs> thinking fallacies we we can fall into. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, Moritz, you just gave me an idea because when I talk with my students and I tell them that they have to trash their prototypes, uh-huh. they're always so sad. <laughs> so now I'm going to tell them you're just a victim of the AKF. Exactly. <laughs> or the loss of version also. Yeah. <laughs> it was just cardboard and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cheap stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's hard. And I think it's once you learn about confirmation bias, you see it everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but also, um, it's um, not a bias. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's something if you're not aware of it, you don't see it, but 
generally with biases, I think it's like if once once you have a sense of them and understand a few of them, you, you start to see how often they occur and. Mm -hmm. You also learn about like how arguments, certain arguments are structured, and and then you see where the trick is. Basically, often with politicians, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. Like how they set up yeah. a certain framing or an anchoring, just to put you in an emotional mindset that will actually have you misjudge something. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of crazy. even the order on the debate. If you have a debate mm -hmm. and you see many politicians, you remember the first and the last, and you forget exactly. the ones in the middle. Yeah. So. Yeah. They fight who is going to go first and who is going to go last <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the shows. Yeah. So a lot of rhetorics. And you also said marketing or advertisement, of course, use these tricks, mm -hmm. right? But also yeah, the classical yeah. like skill of delivering a good speech or delivering a good persuading argument persuading. is, of course, has mm -hmm. a lot to do with triggering these, these mind patterns. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, can you train your brain to not be so bad? Like, can you sort of, it, oh. like, do the biases go away when you know about them? Is it a bit like no, monsters no. under the Actually, bed? Actually, no. okay. what is a, uh, telling people about the bias, what the study is so is that yeah. just simply telling about people about the bias doesn't really work. It, right. Sometimes even doesn't work even immediately, but even after some time it fades away. Uh -huh. Even when you put a, uh, a warning message that says don't be biased. Bias is like, <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and amazingly, even when you have um, people who have domain knowledge on those things, like you have intelligent analysts, that they actually take decisions about national security things in, mm -hmm. in, in the United States, particularly was the study. They compare the, the, the intelligent analysts with college students based on how much their decisions were biased And the college students outperformed. Oh my God. They're more rational than <laughs> yeah. the, the domain experts in finance. And mm -hmm. So it's, it's a very complex thing. Yeah, I think one thing I remember from uh, the classic book from, from Daniel Kahneman, mm. uh, what is called Thinking Fast and Slow. Sure. Yeah. I think one thing that stayed with me is the idea that maybe one way to deal with some biases is just to have processes, right? So do, don't count on yourself. And there is this story of, I believe, uh, he set up a process to to evaluate um, soldiers in the Israeli army, right? Mm -hmm. Something like that. I hope I remember it right. I should. And, um, and he knows that he himself and his team is biased in many different ways, right? So I yeah. think what they did was to just create a set of questions with scores and also guidelines on how mm -hmm. to score things before seeing any candidate, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, I found this 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 kind of thing pretty inspiring because how to distance yourself from the decisions that you're going to make in the future by using some kind of processes, I think yeah. it's an interesting idea. Even the yeah. blind review yeah. we do, I mean, it's mostly... Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but still, even a blind reviewer can have biases, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's tricky. Yeah. yeah. So, how does this all relate to data visualization, your uh, mind, or also in your work? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, okay, we, we understand that all these biases illustrate how human, human judgment can be distorted, right? Hmm. So, okay, at the same time, visualizations are designed to rely on human judgment. So in the first uh, phase, it seems reasonable that we should care about these uh, limitations. However, I, I mean, I guess many people that hear us now and they work in visualizations or data analysis, they will say, okay, 
all these distortions of judgment may appear just because uh, people are not very well educated, are not very intelligent, or more importantly, they haven't seen the data yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, as we discussed, uh, okay, there is a, we, we expect the visualizations are closer to an objective knowledge because they access the original data. But I, I'm afraid that I will, I will disappoint you here. <laughs> Because we, we have to address many challenges before we will be able to say that visualization can help on alleviating a bias. Or before we even know which biases can occur in which visualization mm. activities. So the, the first challenge is that we already somehow said is that more knowledge does not guarantee unbiased judgment. So we say telling people about the bias doesn't really work. Even domain expertise that we saw doesn't always work. And they also did studies on people like if they are intelligent or open-minded. And this didn't even seem to affect the the, the cognitive biases. So since we say that simply knowledge cannot solve the biases, I guess there is no reason to be super confident that simply visualized data will also do the, the second challenge is that the cognitive biases we discuss so far are not really tested with visualized data. So in order to verify the existence of all these biases, we, you will see many experiments like people who, these are massively re- replicated in a lot of experiments. But if you read those, those studies, you will see that the people in these experiments are mostly see uh, texts oral instructions, everyday objects. Some of them are with data, some of them without data. And we don't really know what is going to happen if we expose people to visualized information. Mm-hmm. So current mm-hmm. relations discusses those things, but we don't really have a lot of empirical evidence. And we don't really know which biases apply when. Yeah, exactly. There are many, as you said, 300. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's literally <laughs> hundreds. Yeah, exactly. So can you test, like, or are there like rules or like, do you have to test individually, like which bias applies in which, for which chart type? Or, you know, I'm not even sure how to, how to approach this at all. I can, I can tell you, for example, one example of, of my project that we addressed a very particular bias in visualizations. So, um, you remember the first example of a bias I gave you? I'm biased too. I started with my bias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, the one with the elections and Bob and Alice, the attraction effect. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's see, let's take only this bias now. This particular bias is only uh, people have, in previous studies, have only seen numerical tables or commercial products like towels and pens. They haven't seen visualized data yet, Okay. So what we did in this study was to see if this particular bias can affect the way people make decisions using a visualization diagram. Mm. So we ran a study asking people to choose genes that are presented in a 2D scatter plot. It's the typical mathematical diagram with the two coordinates, Cartesian, the Cartesian mm-hmm. coordinates. So we asked people to choose a gene according to two attributes, the cleanliness of the gene and the variety of the machines. So one gene was better in cleanliness and the other one was better in variety, as we saw before. So again, there is no optimal here. We have again a trade-off between those two attributes. So let's imagine now how this plot will look like, okay? The, the vertical axis was the cleanliness and the horizontal axis, we have the variety. So in the, in the very upper left corner, 
we have the, the clean gene, the one that ha- is better in cleanliness. And down on the very right, we have the dot of the, very, of the gene with a big variety. So what we did is that we also displayed some decoy genes. So some particular people saw a decoy dot on cleanliness, which means that in the upper part, in the, in the, next to the clean gene, we put another gene slightly inferior, so slightly more down. Some other people saw the decoy on the variety. So they saw again the two dots I told you, and they saw a third decoy gene close to the variety. So down and a little bit on the left. So what we observe is that if we could indeed influence people's choices with these decoys in the, in the scatterplot task, and people were choosing the clean gene more likely when they see the decoy on cleanliness, and again the variety gene when they were seeing the decoy on variety. But I mean, okay, I mean, in this first study, we have only three data points. And usually for visualizations, we mostly care about larger data sets, right? So, and, and actually this particular bias and many other biases are like that, is only defined and studied with three, with three choices. And what I found actually very interesting is that when I read in psychology literature to see what's going on, I wanted to replicate something with more data, where are the, the other options? So what the psychologists suggested is that the attraction effect may not generalize to more items because people will have to do a lot of pairwise comparisons. They will not do it immediately. So likely the effect will eliminate, right? will, will, will go away. So I said, okay, but visualizations are really famous for doing these tasks really effectively, like pairwise comparisons mm-hmm. and con- see mm-hmm. many data at the same time and in immediate way. So I yeah. said, okay, maybe the attraction effect eliminates for other things. What if accelerates for us? <laughs> so we, we, we did that. We, we, this is what we, what we actually observed, that when we, we um, extended the, the, the task for more data points, people were, were affected by those dense clusters of decoys. Mm. So the, the attractiveness of the optimal points were affected according to those let's say, inferior clusters. So people were relating the extremes to the next, mm, closest cluster and said like, oh yeah, this is like much better were than all many these inferior, other 10 yeah. gyms in, the, in this area, right? And so... They were saying that if this point here dominates so many decoys, let's right. say so many inferior mm-hmm. things, it mm-hmm. must be something It must good. be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And even mm-hmm. though they had no reason to, I mean, because we asked them people after we finished the study, what was your, your reasoning behind that? They didn't have a particular reasoning. So they didn't say, mm-hmm. I did this because <laughs> yeah. I infer yeah, sure, uh, yeah. they're going to be yeah. a trend. I mean, we expect that at least some people yeah. may think of something happening yeah. there. Oh, they say, no, I'm, I'm okay, I, I'm rational. It, it has a lot to do, like when I teach, I often make this point that we don't really visualize numbers or individual data points, but we always visualize relationships between yeah. things. Yeah. And exactly. that pe- this is what also people read. And so they read the relationship of a point to the axis or the frame or the other point, and, and, but <laughs> exactly. never directly the pure information, but always this relative exactly. uh, judgment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, super exactly. interesting. And so you you were able to prove it, yeah, it exists. It's it's like a, a measurable effect, right? Um, in scatter plots. Yeah, yeah. But for me, you know, this study. I mean, 
Okay, yeah, we observed a scatter and uh, fraction effect when we use scatter plots. But for me, the, the important message from this work was not only the attraction effect that, okay, it applies to scatter plots. For me, it was this that the people who did the study, the, the, the participants, understood the data, understood the scatter plot. They didn't do any mistake. They were mm. choosing one of the two superior options, right? So, in the way we see Vs right now, the way we evaluate visualizations, we, we treat data somehow like a, a holy grail, right? So we believe mm-hmm. that once people understand the data, mm-hmm. and these people understood the data, yeah. immediately draw a, a, a right conclusion. So we focus <laughs> yeah. on the, on the yeah. limitations yeah. of human vision and yeah. the, the yeah. reasoning. Just on, readability, on, yeah. basically, but, but yeah. yeah, that doesn't guarantee I, I remember anything. your talk, yeah. actually, with Jessica Hallman about, mm-hmm. about this topic, about, yeah, okay, Perception is visual perception, of course, is super critical. But what happened after? I mean, <laughs> yeah. When, but uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, if I turn this around, if I'm a bit like playing devil's advocate, maybe. Yeah, do that. So, <laughs> doesn't this mean if we turn it around that nothing matters <laughs> and that we can like oh, no. <laughs> that we can Don't draw the data any way we want? Yeah. <laughs> That, that, that's no. a common theme here, right? So we we dig this deep hole and then we ask ourselves, but, no. <laughs> should we trash everything? <laughs> we should see it as a challenge for no, a designer. No, but what I'm trying to say is, doesn't it mean we can be much more loose in how we display our data if the basic message is right? Hmm. Well, the thing is that it's a matter it's a matter of framing. So since yeah. it seems that framing can affect us so much, like mm, the way we frame mm. a problem can affect us so much. Right. Then that can also turn as a as a as in our sleeve because then we can reframe the problem and mm-hmm. manipulate the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, and then precision is good again. If like once you have established the right frame and the right way of thinking about something, then precision is good again, right? No, I mean, that, you that as a designer, you can change the framing. So, mm. so if a problem is framed in a way that confuses people and make them certain in a certain way, yeah. if you change this design and you change the framing, you know, maybe you can make things yeah. more objective. But I think it's a good, like case to think about like okay maybe precision is not always everything and maybe even you can leave out data or you should leave out data if you Uh, know if you include it people will sort of read that part of the graph way too much or like over interpret it or establish these wrong rankings or relationship effects so i think that's a very interesting like um yeah takeaway here that the whole point is what people take away from reading the graph, not if you have depicted every single data point, right? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah. And it particularly applies to the attraction effect because the truth is that if you remove the decoys, mm-hmm. you don't have attraction effect. Okay, yeah. I don't suggest that Less this is, data, uh, better attraction. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah crazy. It's, it's kind of okay. it's, yeah. <laughs> a very interesting point, actually. Yeah. And so, so this attraction effect could be fixed with a different, yeah, displaying a more, I don't know, working on the distribution of the data points you show probably? Or are there other strategies how you could fix it? I think we can explore, because I'm working a bit on on a a project like that, I don't have yet enough evidence to say for sure. But it seems that, I mean, the the way you interact with the data, as you say, can affect the way you see those decoys. So, for example, if you treat them in a way Think of, uh, for example, different design variations. So even if you display 
those decoys, but you somehow hide them or de-highlight them mm. or make people interact with them in another pattern, maybe likely people will see them as less important. Because the problem is here that for some reason you consider the decoys as important and you shouldn't. So I think this is, for, particularly for the attraction effect, I think this is a, a, a good, could be an approach. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. we have so many biases that, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But I, I think that because, you know, they say that one good reason why biases occur is the information overload. This is what makes us need to have a shortcut, need mm-hmm. to rely on the most pronounced part of the information. Uh-huh. So if you want, we do what you say, like we, we try to find a way to manage this information. So instead of displaying everything, we find a way to help people to manage the overload and mm. clean yeah. the decision space and organize it better. This, I, I think, it can be a very promising thing to do. Would you also say user testing could be a good way in general, like to to find out if if your visualization method is is like very prone to specific biases? Uh, thank and you I, very much for this question. Was <laughs> 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 <So, laughs> not prepared. <laughs> that was actually it was not prepared. That's why I thank you so generously <laughs> because actually this was my thought. I mean, okay, somehow. You remember this list that you saw in Wikipedia, right? It was mm, so big. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to myself, okay, I would like somehow to make people test those things in visualizations, right? So this is my yeah. second project. Yeah, so yeah. I wanted to, to encourage people to do that, like to, to t- see which of those biases can affect and then try to think of design variation. That was my sneaky plan. So <laughs> what uh, we did in this project is that I wanted to take those biases and do a taxonomy based on tasks, and then based on this task to encourage somehow uh, a designer to, to, to try to test them in visualization. Mm-hmm. So let's say, imagine, for example, you are a visualization designer and you work in a company that makes tools for choice support, okay? Okay, you want to present your data very well. You are aware that people make decisions can be subject to biases. And once you go to the Wikipedia page and you see all these hundreds of biases, you're somehow, okay, what do I do now? I mean... How do I going to handle all this? So the taxonomies we see right now on, on biases rely a lot on explanatory theories. So we have, let's say, uh, we divide biases according to what we think that people think when they do the mistake. Mm-hmm. So let's say we say that there are uh, false memory associations, it's information overload. But but all these explanations, I mean, what should a designer do about that? It's It's not easy to grasp and test those concepts. So the idea behind this project was to, to base them on tasks. Let's say one of the tasks in this taxonomy is the decision task. So some biases involve uh, experimental tasks that people have to make a decision. And then I, I hope that this can be a way of thinking of them. Instead of trying to understand all this complexity around psychology theories that we it's hard for us to grasp where people can think of them just as this is a task this is a norm this is a deviation we test it we put some imagination to think it of a in a visualization context and we move on i mean we, we do a test yeah so basically you are creating a sort of translation of the existing taxonomies for people who work in in visualization to better understand how how 
existing cognitive biases may translate in situations where people are exactly. using visualization exactly. to make decisions. Yeah. Right? That, that could be super I try helpful. to avoid the psychology. <laughs> I, I love it personally. I have this thing that I, I love to read about psychology stuff, but I, I guess that yeah. not everybody wants to dive into this. <laughs> so I hope yeah. to. Yeah. 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 And you need some pragmatic way of approaching it because it's such an yeah. overwhelming, like, yeah, multitude of, of potential biases out there. So some checklist or some like decision tree <laughs> approach yeah, that could exactly. be super helpful. Helpful. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that sounds exactly. good. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I was just saying that. I think another aspect that I find really interesting in your work is that you seem to focus a lot on decision making, and um, this made me think that surprisingly there is not a lot of work on uh, how visualization works when it's used for the specific purpose of making decisions. But but we know that it can be really powerful. Which sounds in like that a situation. very fundamental use of data. Yeah, right, right. It's, yes, that always amazes me. Right. It's like why don't we actually? Because we always talk about the use of visualization for presentation, yeah. Yeah. the use of visualization in data science, the use of visualization in blah blah blah. Yeah. But there you are know, a we know a lot things. for using visualizations for getting famous on Twitter. So that's something. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Oh you need God. to start somewhere. You know, that, <laughs> what you say now is, is, a, is a painful story of my life because, you know, my, my PhD started with a title that involved group decision making yeah. and combination of visualization and automated approach. That was my first title. Yeah, uh -huh. so that's the because grail. I thought my, my, my thought so my thought was this that in visualization, of course, the decision making is super addressed so far. So I need to go one step up. Right? That was my initial thought in the, before I yeah, started. Yeah. No, but it's not so then, at all. Yeah. So <laughs> then, then I started. Okay, it's always in the introduction of every good book in visualization. So you always say we do decision making. Yes, yes, we assist decision. Okay, but then. When I dive into the, the experimental and empirical approaches, what we really test, I didn't find any, almost any decision-making task inside. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's <laughs> testing for that. Yeah. I saw, yeah. I saw, uh, of course, I saw many, I mean, hypothesis testing and, and many important things, but didn't see any people choosing stuff. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah. That was one thing. So then I narrowed down the, the PhD in the decision-making information visualization. But <laughs> yeah, so that was a perfect. Piece. Yeah, I think we have to wrap up soon. I think just should one, we listen one to last the bias song. We, we need to listen to the yeah. Bias we song. should listen to the bias <laughs> song before we conclude. Oh yeah. I just, want, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you. I think so. For people who are listening, what what are your suggestions in terms of? I would say a couple of things. One is if they want to know more about cognitive biases and how they may influence um, the work of people who are working in visualization or with data in general. And um, yeah, and, and what to do in practice, right? So say I am a visualization designer and uh, um, I listen to this episode. So what should I do next, <laughs> right? <laughs> so actually, I, I would say that first of all, what I believe should be the, the, the view of view when it comes to cognitive biases in the way I'm thinking of it, actually. So sometimes, you know, the, 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 
the research is not a linear process always, right? So sometimes what we do is that we have an idea about a cool design that we really like. And when once we have everything done, we want to find a problem. <laughs> so we say, okay, now what do I do with it? What people cannot do or what tasks should people do? So one way of seeing those biases and those huge lists that you see in Wikipedia is to see them as a list of open research small problems that they have a way to uh, measure them. They have a way to, uh, there is, there are well identified problems. So if you're stuck and you don't know what would be your next big problem that you can address, you can take a cheat sheet, which is the cognitive bias list and say, okay, these are the things that, that people cannot do. They cannot escape from their initial hypothesis. They cannot, they, they, they are affected by an order, for example, I'll give you an example of this, this the, the th simplest I can think of. We know from biases that order matters, right? What comes first, what comes next. There are some particular contexts that the order matters and affects the way you decide. Mm -hmm. So if I was a visualization designer, I would say, okay, what if I put a circular layout, let's say, that the, 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 the order is not particularly perceived in a certain way. Could this debias those people or... I cause other effects of something. So for yeah. me, this is a way to see, to see the whole. The whole. These are well identified mm. problems. It's Just like be aware shift. that some things, very superficial things, might lead people in a certain direction, and, and just yeah, assume that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that helps. That's, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. true. Cool. Yeah. I think we should yeah. wrap it up. Um, fantastic topic it's yeah it's it's one of I the really one of the most fascinating psychological topics i think so <laughs> I, <agree. laughs> I hope we were able to excite a few people for it and if not there's a song coming up that summarizes oh. everything so you can learn anything <laughs> the about song will in, in three minutes yeah it's and it's, it's really good and uh, <laughs> so <laughs> at least this one should entertain you uh thanks so much for joining us Eva thank Thea. you very much yeah, for inviting me it was great i yeah. had a very good time with you <laughs> thanks so much thanks so much bye bye thank you bye 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 i'm biased because i knew it all along hindsight but yes i knew it all along I'm biased because I put you in a category which you may or may not belong. Representativeness, bias, don't stereotype this song. I'm biased because of a small detail that throws off the big picture of a thing. Anchoring, bias, see the forest for the trees. I'm biased toward the first example that comes to mind. Availability, bias, to the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, bias, don't let bias in your mind. Bias, don't try this, it'll influence your thinking and memories. Don't mess with these, but you're guilty of distorted thinking. Cognitive bias, your mind becomes blinded. Decisions and problems, you've been forced to solve them wrongly. I'm biased because I'll only listen to what I agree with. Confirmation bias, you never mind if you 
are this I'm biased because I take credit for success But no blame for failure Self-serving bias My success and your failure I'm biased when I remember things The way I would have expected them to be Expectancy bias False memories are shaped by these I'm biased because I think my opinion now Was my opinion then Self-consistency bias But you felt different way back when Oh, bias Don't let bias in your mind Bias, don't try this It'll influence your thinking And memories don't mess with these You're guilty of distorted thinking Cognitive bias And becomes blinded Decisions and problems you've been forced to solve them wrongly. Hey folks, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is now completely crowdfunded. So you can support us by going on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash data stories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. And here's also some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash data stories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash data stories podcast, all in one word. And we also have a Slack channel Uh, where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and there is a button at the bottom of the page. And we also have an email newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish an episode, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and look for the link you find at the bottom in the footer. So one last thing we want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or amazing people you want us to invite or even projects you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And don't hesitate to get in touch with us. It's always a great thing for to hear from you. So see you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories.